Hey, pharmacy owners listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. Been doing this for 11 plus years and the independent pharmacy owner in the community, specialty, long-term care sector of our healthcare industry are so important. You really feel pushed right now, pushed by the PBMs. There are pharmacies that have closed. This network takes a look at things that come out that could benefit the private pharmacy owner and provide you with additional benefits to your patients and to you. And there's a product called the Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack. We heard about this product. We researched it. They have become a sponsor. We very much appreciate them. And you can do right with your patients while still making a higher profit on these products. The Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack provides 100 premium pen needles in a sharps container all in one. With the Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, you're doing more for your patients and more for your pharmacy. You'll see consistently higher revenue and higher margins through this product. Take a look. UltiGuardSafePack.com forward slash podcast. Go to UltiGuardSafePack.com forward slash podcast. Research it and let us know what you think. And thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Everybody knows if you listen to Brief Prince Talk, you're going to hear some great information. It's going to be delivered in a fun way, in an authentic way, because that's true to who we are. If you listen to the Pharmacy Podcast Network, I don't have to tell you how much of a fan, or I guess you could call me a fan boy, but that sounds like I'm young, but I'll take that. But I am so excited about the evolution of not only the pharmacy industry, but the role that pharmacists play. Content development is such an important part. I have a partnership with Jared Johnson, who's a co-founder with me on Shift.Health. Go ahead and take a look at that, Shift.Health. We believe that content for healthcare providers must level up. So when you're a pharmacist and you also happen to be a podcaster or a content developer, I get excited about meeting you or engaging with you. And when I met three dynamic, intelligent pharmacist women that are absolutely gorgeous and they're content creators, and they're incredible photographers, and they know how to carry on a fun conversation, I got excited. I actually stalked them for a while. Embarrassingly, I know I did. And they probably were like, who is this white boy out there that is uh, all over our Instagram? But I was so excited to meet three Friends Talk podcasting team. And it's bigger than podcasting. Dr. Sylvia, Dr. Leah and Dr. Jones, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Hey, Tom. Thank you. So to be here. <laughs> I, like I said, did I not creep you guys out in some way with how much I interacted over a period of 48 hours? I mean, you weren't on our no-fly list, but I mean, we did take notice. We took notice. <laughs> I must say we had a, a conversation or two to say, hey, did y'all see so-and-so? <laughs> I was I was definitely excited because I saw Pharmacy Podcast and I said, oh, y'all, it's the big leagues. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 it was definitely exciting to see that we were interacting because we've been a fan for quite some time. And Absolutely. I think it encouraged us on our journey to see that there was a whole Pharmacy Podcast network. Absolutely, yes. And it was accidental how that formed and I was just showing the three of you before we got started how uh, Dr. Tony Guerra is our veteran podcaster. He's been around since 2016 and how much has changed since 2016 in our world and in medicine and in, in healthcare and specifically pharmacists. But before I get into some of your content development and what you've done with Three Friends Talk, if you want to find this, it's very easy to find. It's our, Google's already all over this podcast. So all you have to do is go to Google and put in three friends talk podcast. It comes right up. Um, and you got lots of ratings. You got five stars. It's just an amazing, it's a fun podcast to listen to. 
But before that, I want to jump into your background. And, and I love finding out because of my fanboy like for pharmacists to, to know where it started from. I'm going to start with Dr. Leah. Would you tell our, our listeners, why did you become a pharmacist? Well, uh, let me tell you just a little bit about that. I'm, I'm going to go kind of fast. I always was interested in, you know, the medical profession and probably in high school, I started looking towards the field of pharmacy um, more because I knew that I would be able to probably spend more time with a family and um, also, you know, have the doctor title, but I wouldn't be, you know, just bogged down in the hospital 24 seven, you know, so I was like, this looks very interesting. And I already had decided that I wanted to go to Xavier University in Louisiana. So, you know, when I found out they had a pharmacy program on site, it just all made sense to me. And I knew that I would be still serving my community in, you know, a medical-based profession. So it was a no-brainer. So when you were young let's say in your, in your preteens, teenage years, did you think of the healthcare field or was it more like when I was that age, I thought I wanted to be a cartoonist because I love drawing. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> there's no money in cartooning. So it's, well, actually there's no money in podcasting either, but I'm here. <laughs> so, and here we are. <laughs> and here we are. But what did you think when you're in your teens? Like when, when the reason why I asked that is because the the three of you Mm -hmm. prominence that you're bringing to the healthcare field, the prominence that you're bringing to women that empower women and the whole attitude that the three of you have, you're bringing so much to the younger generation where they can look at you at that age and scratch their head and say, wow, like what does a pharmacist do? So what did you think when you were in your preteens and teenage years? Well, as far as pharmacy, I really had no idea of all of the things that a pharmacist could do. All I knew was, you know, you go into your local drugstore and you see this person behind the counter. They have a jacket on and they're always, their head is down. You know, it, I, I had no idea what a pharmacist did. And like I said, I, I wanted to do something in the medical field more, you know, working directly with patients is what I thought I wanted to do. But then again, I was like, well, maybe I want the, the doctor title, but maybe I kind of want to be left alone sometimes, <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, I don't know. It, it was just, for me, it was more about serving and, and being a person that, you know, you could look out for and ask questions, but maybe not all that direct context. So I think that's why once we kind of go into the conversation a little bit more, we can see where it led me into the field that I'm in right now. Dr. Courtney Jones, um, you yes. and I have talked probably the most out of the three of us, but <laughs> I'm so curious, like what possessed you and got you excited about the, the pharmacy field and becoming a, a doctor of pharmacy. Yeah, I remember the exact moment. So a little bit about me. I did, um, as a young girl, always wanted to be a doctor. So I did want to be a pediatrician at first. And we're talking like fourth grade. I absolutely loved my pediatrician and wanted to do what she did. So it's all about, you know, your surroundings and what you're exposed to, right? So as I got older, um, I had a cousin who was a doctor and she said, well, you know, let me go ahead and take you into Tulane Medical School. So I'm originally from New Orleans. So uh, the medical school that was uh, nearest to my home was Tulane at the time, Tulane University. So when I went in, um, she went to the lab, of course. Why she exposed me to the lab first, I don't know, because I see all these cadavers and these bodies and stuff. And I'm, and, you know, I'm terrified of that kind of stuff. She really gave me um, a closer eye on what it was like to go through the medical school process. And I said, um, I don't want to touch people. I don't want to cut on stuff. I don't want to feel it, you know, and lo and behold, <laughs> pharmacy has come a long way because now we're giving vaccines and I got to touch people and stuff like that. But back then, um, I needed to be in a position where I was comfortable and still able to provide health care to the, uh, 
to our community, right? So I said, ah, well, what, you know, what doctor can I be without touching people? So I was thinking, you know, I, I love chemistry. So maybe chemistry-based. Um, can I just be an anesthesiologist? And I, she was like, no, you still got to go through medical school, the basics, before you can go off into specialty. So I just kept pondering with it, like, oh, God, I don't want to do it. But it was my junior year in high school. And there was a career fair at my high school. And the career fair actually brought a representative from Xavier University College of Pharmacy to our school to talk about their pharmacy program. I had never considered pharmacy before this time, but I don't know if it was his his uh, message that sold it for me, but everything he described about what a pharmacist does, what they do, what they provide for the community. It was a six-year, um, and still is, a six-year doctorate program. You could uh, you know, go into a residency or especially afterwards. So I'm like, wait a minute, I can still be a doctor. I wouldn't have to be in school as long. I'd still make a six-figure salary. Okay, this is all checking the boxes on my list. And I can still help people without touching them. Boom, sign me up. Pharmacy, I was on the way. Now, my dilemma came into what school I was going to go to. So I was already in New Orleans and, you know, Xavier University College of Pharmacy was the number one school for um for black students with going through uh, pharmacy school. I mean, you had your uh, competition of Florida A&M University, uh, College of Pharmacy, Howard University, but my mom was like, why go anywhere else if the number one school is right there in your backyard? So, you know, I wound up getting a full scholarship to Xavier and uh, my mom and I compromised. She let me live on campus and the rest is history. I mean, I knew right at that moment and I never looked back. You'll even see like in your yearbook, like, what do you want to be? And it says Courtney Villery, my maiden name, pharmacist. So, you oh. know, anybody could see I wanted to be a pharmacist since my junior year in high school. And here I am. You are. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Sylvia, were things as as poignant and, and directed uh, like, like, uh, <laughs> like Dr. Jones or what do you... What's your story? We want to hear about you as well. No, indeed. I <laughs> had no idea that pharmacy was a medical profession. You know, I wasn't a person that had to go to the pharmacy a lot. I wasn't on any maintenance meds growing up. It's just when I had a cold, well, you know, it was on antibiotics. So uh, to me, it was like my mom is a principal or was a principal for 30 years. So on Fridays, we went to the dry cleaners. We put our clothes over that counter and gave it to a man. And then we came back next week and picked them up. So that's what I thought pharmacy was, like a trade. Like, oh, somebody's back there learning how to be a pharmacist, just like a dry cleaner. And so never in a million years did it dawn on me, like, this is a medical profession. So when I went to Xavier, where I met these ladies, um, I wanted to be a dentist. I was pre-dent. I was going to be a children's dentist providing dental care without the scare. You know, I had it down. I was ready. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> and so once I got on campus, similar to Dr. Lee and Dr. Courtney, I was like, I was a very sheltered child. Um, so living on the dorms, I was like, whoa, it's a lot going on. Do I really want to work in people's mouths all day. You started hearing statistics about the quality of life with dentists. So I started looking around by my sophomore year and my dad knew about pharmacy. He knew a lot about everything. So he was a very big motivator in me going to pharmacy school. So he had me go to lunch with one of his frat brothers and um, his wife. They were both pharmacists. One of them went to Xavier and I just picked their brain, asked them all kinds of questions. And that year I tailored my schedule to get all the prereqs in um, for pharmacy school. And I applied that spring and I got in. So that summer, I think I had to take a second part of physics and a philosophy course. And I was ready to go into pharmacy school with Dr. Leah and Dr. Courtney. And I consider it the best decision I ever made. Absolutely. So there is the hint that you dropped. So I'll send you your $25 for such a nice transition. <laughs> <laughs> that the Thank three of you, you met in school. So you met in pharmacy school. We did. We did. We did. Mm -hmm. All right. So what did you think of each other when, was it a competition? Because I know how oh, women oh, can me. be. Oh, me. gosh. Here we go. <laughs> can I go? Yes. I want to hear from you, Courtney, please. All right. All right. So I would say that because we were all in the dorm, we knew of each other and our bond didn't grow until, uh, you know, in pharmacy school. But the first time I met Dr. Leah, 
and she remembers this just like I do. It was a pre-pharmacy class. So all the prerequisites were um, as Xavier and you trans transitioned right into, you know, of course, um, being accepted uh, right into pharmacy school. So our prereqs were two years prior to pharmacy school. So there was a statistics class. Um, we had both, um, I want to say, bypassed calculus and were able to be in statistics uh, right away. Um, so I didn't know a lot of the other students. I was kind of a loner in that class. And one day in this class was must have been right after lunch on the yard when everybody's out and having a good time. So it was always this one young lady that would walk, you know, class is already gone on about five, 10 minutes late. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, be studious and pay attention. And so you think if someone would come in late, they would walk, you know, in the back door of the class, go have a seat nice and quiet. Oh, no, this happened to be Dr. Leah. She would walk right in front of class and her seat, of course, would be on the other side. And she would have to walk across the front, you know, while the teacher is instructing to go to her seat. And this must have happened not once, but twice, but quite a few times for me to be like, who is Daily. girl? Who is she? Daily. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, who is this girl walking in front of class? And so I knew her from being, you know, and, and her walk was so prominent. I used to call it the stallion. She used to walk like a stallion across the, just, you know, confident, like, oh, I know I'm late, but I'm going to my seat. So, you know, um, lots of fun. Um, and so we got to know each other because um, once I'll we were tell that part. I'll school, tell that part, Dr. Courtney. Okay, okay. And then I'll go to Dr. Le Dr. Sylvia next. Go ahead, Leah. Well, you can tell how you met Dr. Sylvia, and then I'll go into the part about knowing both of you guys. How about that? Okay, good. Because that'll probably pick up from where I left off, right? right. Um, so with Dr. Sylvia, we were all, well, all three of us, Leah, Sylvia, and I, were all on the third floor of our freshman dorm. We called it KB. Um, and Sylvia was, um, she had a large room on the end. It looked like a RA, resident assistance room. But she wasn't. I was like, oh, she looked up and got a big room at the end there. So I had some friends who lived closer to her room and I would go and visit them. And when I would visit them, uh, I think I don't know if their door was open, but Sylvia and her roommate and um, I knew the roommate. So naturally, when I would speak, of course, I would also speak to uh, Sylvia. And I just knew her as being so sweet. She was quiet at the time, but always knew of her. And then once we got into pharmacy school, because you want to you surround yourself with people that you, you've already, you know, come to know or feel comfortable with, because I'm telling you, there's so many different age groups and it, once you're in professional school, but you surround yourself with those people that you have things most in common with. And I think it was Sylvia and I that just gelled so well together once we were in uh, pharmacy school, those uh, first couple of courses, P1 year. So Dr. Leah, okay, I'll pass it to you. That was the, the nice version. Dr. Courtney always called me my roommate's name. And finally, I had had uh -huh. a Tell the true story. Tell the true story. And I said, Courtney, my name is Sylvia. I am not my roommate. Please call me. Okay, Sylvia. so that's true. <laughs> so I think that's when she finally called me for who I am. And then once we got into pharmacy school, yeah, we just all hung out together. Yeah, it was quite quite the joke. Yes, <laughs> she gave you the uh, professional answer. Yeah. That's correct. And, and then she and still call me my roommate's name just to be make a joke. Funny. <laughs> well, well, my transition into knowing these two was probably more based on transportation. So, <laughs> by default, <laughs> oh yay me, Doctor. Right, as Doctor Courtney stated, you know she's a native of New Orleans. So she, of course, even though she stayed on campus, she had access to a vehicle. Um, and Dr. Sylvia, when did you brought your vehicle? Was it freshman year? No, not freshman year. It must've been sophomore year. Um, I don't know. It might've been P1 year. I don't Okay. Well, yeah, I was the I one with the car on campus freshman year. <laughs> I, I was, I, you know, I, I kind of eyeballed everyone who had a vehicle. So, um, <laughs> Dr. Courtney stated, you know, we met in that class, but, you know, you you, you got to start venturing out a little bit more. And as we started going into, you know, more of the P1 classes and there were job fairs and different events, and I'm like, hey, 
that girl has a car and I need to get to where she's going. And I need a ride. Right. <laughs> so that was really when we became close because I was like, hey, you have a car. Are you going to the job fair? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, I'm gonna just, you know, I don't even think I asked. I probably told her. I'm just I'm gonna just ride going with, with you. you. And I was like, right, okay. <laughs> so I mean, after that, it was like nonstop. That was my girl. Joined at the hip. Where she's going, I'm going. So we both had, you know, big food fetish, you know. So we bonded over food. We yeah. bonded over We're studying together. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, nonstop at that point. Now, my story with Dr. Sylvia, uh, it was a little different. It probably did have something to do with food, but it was in a bad way. I had a really bad case of food poisoning. Oh. So, you know, we knew each other. But to me, this is how we really bonded <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. Dr. Sylvia, I mean, she just went out of her way and she was like, look, you're not feeling well. I'm taking you to the hospital. And I was like, I think I'm okay. And she was like, no, we're going to the hospital. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, I'll go, I'll go. And I mean, I think she turned the sirens on and everything. I mean, she went <laughs> to the hospital so fast. And, you know, I was just like, man, this girl loves me. Oh, so, yeah, you know, it's just like, this is, this is beautiful. This is, I mean, like, this is a, we really had a sisterhood at that point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, we had a, a bonding experience, you know, with, with both of these two lovely young ladies. It was, it was based on transportation for me. Yeah, it was born out of necessity, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, like, you gotta do what you gotta do. Your, your friendship leveled up. Which is 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 how many friendships actually happen. That's right. That's good to hear. I so tell me. All right. So three friends talk. Who? Which one of you says to each other during your busy schedules? You're working. You know, eight hour, ten hour, twelve hour shifts. You're in whatever sector of pharmacy that you're in. I want to also hear about that. But I also want to hear the three of you who pulls the trigger on starting three friends talk. Well, well I must say we have to pass that to Dr. Sylvia. Okay. <laughs> so funny story. We, all these years, you know, uh, Dr. Lee and Dr. Courtney are both moms. And so we're in different states. So all these years out of pharmacy school, we finished in uh, the early 2000s. We hadn't taken a girl's trip outside the country. So... 2019, Dr. Leah also is the travel um, agent extraordinaire. She was saying, let's take a trip. And I said, okay, I'll go, but we're recording a podcast. And they just wanted me to go. So they're like, sure. I don't, I don't recall. I don't, I don't recall. Uh, <laughs> it happened. And okay. so, <laughs> I remember her mentioning a little something about, hey, yeah, let's do a show. So I was like, sure, just get on this trip. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. They didn't think I was serious, Todd. And I had my <laughs> mic. I had my other computer. I was ready to go. So after things, I quieted down a little bit. I'll say that because it was a great girls trip. We finally hit the record button and we got something together that we were kind of proud of. We were so amateurs, but we were happy with what came out and it truly represented our personalities. I think everybody knows if you listen to Three Friends Talk, you're going to hear some great information is going to be delivered in a fun way and an authentic way because that's true to who we are. And so on that girl's trip, we recorded at least two episodes and we ended up re-recording one, but we said we're going to launch this by Halloween and we did. It was like pharmacist month. I thought it was like perfect timing, you know, so that, that worked out great. It's great. I, um, I admire that because, you know, that's extra work. And the three of you know very well um, that creating something that's high quality, that we're in a, we're not in, we're not in podcasting 2009 anymore. When I started, you know, there were less than 200,000 podcasts. There's 1.4 million plus podcasts out there Mm -hmm. and every mother and every uncle Jerry and every Billy Bob wants a podcast. And if if it's not done correctly, in my you know opinion, strong opinion, if it's not done correctly with personality and with vigor and with 
passion, then it's something that's not going to want to be listened to. So when I listened to you before I reached out to you, I heard that passion. I heard that sincerity. I heard the stories that you were telling. And that resonates with listeners. That resonates not only with fellow pharmacists and healthcare providers, but you're being listened to by just, you know, the the general public that you're you're creating a fan base that they can say, wow, I wish my pharmacist, you know, was so you know, jovial or, or, or perky or intelligent or well-spoken or whatever it is because of the pressures that those most likely those retail giants put on their pharmacists. And now they're now coming under the hammer of, of the, the authenticity of what pharmacists are supposed to be. So when I hear pharmacist podcasters doing what you're doing, it really excites me because I think it's going to help elevate all boats rise with a rising tide and it's going to help elevate the profession and it's going to help help elevate the humanism of the of the three of you and and I think as I said before we started recording there is going to be a young girl she's going to be 13 years old she's going to be going through something you know pressures at home or some stress and she might see a post or she might get on your Instagram or she might listen to your podcast and she's going to say, I can do that. You know, I could do that. If they did that, I want to do that. So I think that in and of itself is so important. And, and that's what really excites me about the three of you. Well, thanks for calling a thing a thing, Todd. That is the goal. We want to inspire and let people know in all doctor professions that, hey, we're regular people that worked hard and we get to put on this jacket or this title, but you can do it too. It's not outside your grasp. So that is one of our over, over, overarching things. So thanks for, for seeing that vision that we have. Yes, yes, yes. So we do a series that's been very important to the network and it's been very important to me personally because I have an issue with my own emotions in getting too riled up. And I think podcasting has really helped me to settle and to focus so that emotions sometimes can be perceived as offensive in many ways. So podcasting has made me take a step aside so that I can think of the humanism and the equality and the lack of equality and racism and so many of the things that are happening in our nation and in our world. And so when I get an opportunity to hear from, you know, beautiful, intelligent doctors of pharmacy that are also black, who who have also experienced in life growing up racism, I need to touch on that because I need to take advantage of this opportunity in talking to you to face it face on and not you know, try to get around it or not to put it under the carpet or not. And so we have a series called Transforming the Nation or Transforming a Nation. And it's basically pharmacists literally transforming a nation and a society's um, blended um, bad vibe in many ways and really changing things so that we don't have to have our next generation or our next two or three generations go through what we've all gone through. And it's not certainly at the level of what our fellow brothers and sisters went through in the, in the, you know, forties and the sixties and the seventies. I immediately think of Anna Louise James, the first African-American pharmacist who was, went to Brooklyn college. She was the first um, black woman to graduate from Brooklyn college. I can only imagine, it gives me chills to even say this. I can only imagine what she went through and what she had to endure to become a pharmacist and the passion that she had in her head as she was thinking of chemistry, when she was thinking of math, as she was thinking at how many times she was told that this would never happen, that she could not do it, that she could you know, not succeed and, and, and the abuse that she probably took. So I wanna hear about the adversity in your lives and 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 what happened in your life. You can you know, obviously there's probably many as there is with everyone that, that's just grown up in, in America, but specifically picking something that's attached to pharmacy that was adverse, that was a barrier to you as successful women, powerful women, 55% 
60% of our pharmacists are women. You are my bosses. You know, and that's what I, I always say that to when I go to, when I go to conferences, which I, I miss conferences. But when we, when we went to conferences, I was at a bar with a couple guys and I'm like, you guys know, like women are our future directors and our future bosses because this industry is predominantly women. And, and I love it. I have four daughters I want one of them to be a pharmacist. I'm still praying about that. But I want to hear from the three of you because you experience things that I don't experience. I'm a five foot seven, 48 year old white guy. And I've never experienced what you have as women and what you've experienced uh, as, as black African-Americans. Sure. And I think we can all touch on this a little bit, but um, it, like you said, it's not just um uh, racism. Um, there's ageism. There's sexism. Uh, I think I've experienced all of that. And and because of the communities that I've worked in, of course, I went to HBCU, so I didn't experience uh, that much. Um, I, I, I don't remember having those experiences in college, but in the real world, outside of my HBCU, historically Black college and university bubble, uh, once I started working in the real world, yes, it was time to put on that hat of, um, I graduated at 23, so I could possibly be the youngest in my pharmacy working, whether or not it was retail or hospital. Uh, I could be the only woman and woman of color in my uh, pharmacy working at the time. So I had to um, let the profession guide me on how to speak professionally, how to speak intel intelligently and to over, uh, you know, overcome that, not to be naive and not, um, notice those around me, but to make sure that I'm duly respected with uh, counterparts and so forth. And I have experiences of, yes, um, maybe working with men. Here's the sexism. They don't want to take authority from women if I was their superior and having to, um, you know, have those challenging conversations or be, being at the retail drugstore and being called the N-word because a patient who happened to be Caucasian, their medication refill had run out. And of course they want to take their anger out on me and I have to address that accordingly. You know, how does that work on your morale and things like that? And I'm not gonna say we're not human, it does, but then you have to look at the greater good and why you're here and rise above that. So, um, and then also with, um, uh, so this ageism, Sexism. I probably have an example of each one of those. And in each one of those times has only made me stronger. So you have to have a thick skin, not for only, um, you know, for yourself, but for your other patients, because you still have to take care uh, of those of the public after that. You know, how do you continue? You know, you might want to you might want to feel like giving up, but you can't. You know, um, I'm in a position now where I'm the director of um uh, my pharmacy department with about 300 staff of uh, staff of pharmacists and technicians. And this is the largest department I've been able to run. It's a major PBM um, out of the greater Atlanta area. And all of those experiences have actually helped me to develop my character on how to address those issues and then coach those around me on how to deal with um, uh, racism, sexism, uh, ageism, all of the above. So uh, Dr. Leah, Dr. Sylvia, you all want to add to that? Sure. I'm, you know, I am very lucky to be in um, a setting where I see, and, and actually from day one, I have seen Black women, um, women in general, in management positions, uh, leadership positions, um, my mentor, she actually graduated from Xavier. So she was already kind of putting me on the path of, you know, not necessarily to go into a leadership role, you know, as soon as I started, but just to see, you know, women in roles where, you know, they're, they're making good money. They're, you know, making great moves and they're motivating all of us, you know, to step up our game and to stay on top of our game. You know, you talked about, Dr. Courtney talked about ageism, sexism, racism. 
I don't know what you would call it, but you know, just the the competition between women sometimes. Yeah. That's probably the one thing that I've experienced. You know, uh, there haven't been any setbacks for me personally, but I hate to see someone, you know, not you know stepping on somebody else's coattail and not lifting them up to say, hey, you know. Get on this level with me. Let me show you the, the ropes. Let me show you the steps to get to where I am or to get beyond me. Mostly in, um, and I think I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, I don't have any patient contact. I'm in specialty pharmacy and um, I have been since day one. So, you know, it, I, all, all I see is my colleagues. And, you know, that, that's been the best thing for me is to see someone helping the next person. There are times that, you know, somebody does not want to see you succeed. And, you know, that's an awful thing. So, you know, I know we, we talked about racism and everything, but I think the most thing that's effect that has affected me or that I've seen in my workplace is just someone that's not willing to say, you know, I'm there for you. Let me get you to a, a better position. It's just that competition type thing. So, you know. I know we see that and we need to, to get rid of that. Exactly. Exactly. Dr. Sylvia, we're going to hear from you as well. Yeah, I think um, we definitely stand on the shoulders of so many Anna Louise James being the first pharmacist, but even um, in my personal life, um, my mom integrated her high school. So, you know, I think that when your story, your success is in spite of circumstances. Um, it can make it like you might have sort some sort of legacy where everything is hard fought, hard, hard won. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to believe that success can be yours and that you can just walk freely. And yeah, I want to be a pharmacist and I know this is going to be hard, but sometimes those traps can get in your mind, even before you step into pharmacy school. You know, if I took an extra year in pharmacy school, um, so I had a little struggle there. And I think that maybe we haven't experienced personally one of the isms even though we all have, but even before, just the constructs that are set up when we know what somebody's been through, we know how hard or this is a time in that someone's life that they don't talk about because it was so hard. That kind of gets passed down generationally in some ways. And um, before we know it, we can set ourselves up for failure. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because I think that's the piece that doesn't get talked about enough, kind of the, the stain that's left from the isms, racism, ageism, sexism, and how it can affect you through generations. Um, and I think that that's definitely something that I dealt with. And um, although we've had great successes in my family and many, many, many strong women, they had to overcome so much. And that that's still something that stays with you. Um, personally, you know, um, my career started out with Target Pharmacy. And I was 25 when I finished pharmacy school. So there'll be a lot of times where if you're working with um, a male, it could be a technician, it could be another pharmacist, they'll just say, no, I don't have any questions for you. Let me speak to the pharmacist. And <laughs> this could be somebody that you have helped. You've been the only one behind that counter for years. And um, I'm, I'm like, well, you know, Mr. Jones, it's usually a, a guy saying this. I'm a pharmacist too, you know, the pharmacists that helped you and your son and your daughter. So you just have to kind of assert yourself and remind people because by default, you know, because of the legacy of things that we're taught throughout our life, they just assert that a male is a pharmacist or, and he could be younger than you. He can look younger than you, but just because he's a male, he's a pharmacist. So really learning how to reassert ourselves. Um, I think that going to an HBCU, um, at least in our experience, it really taught us to be leaders. So in any setting that we're put in, we kind of excel and we kind of rise to the top. I'm not saying that's everybody's experience, but there is something that has allowed Dr. Leah, Dr. Courtney, and myself to carve out these non-traditional roles in pharmacy. And so I can't say that any of those isms have kept us from getting to where 
where we were destined to be and where we're destined to be 10 years from now. But it's definitely something that we have had to learn how to maneuver through. And I think that we were, we benefited by going to HBCU because it's not something that we were maneuvering through early, early on as a student. I feel like we were allowed a certain level of freedom because we were just allowed to be kids and learning and enjoying New Orleans, which maybe I enjoyed it a little too much. That's why I had an extra year. But, um, you know, because we had that freedom and those leadership skills that we built at Xavier, we were able to get to where we are today. So um, what I would say to somebody that's considering pharmacy um, in this divided climate, but also I would say this climate is a little bit more woke. Yep. Um, Absolutely. To run your race, you know, search for a mentor. If this person's not in a place where they can mentor you, search for someone else. You know, um, let that be an important goal of yours. They may or may not be a pharmacist, but hey, even if, if it's the pharmacist behind the counter and it's the first time you've gone to them, you know, Instagram, social media, there's so many things that connect us. And um, find that person that you can latch on to that's been, been somewhere and seen some things and they can help kind of guide you. And that might be more than one person, but if you have a, a dream in your heart to be anything in this world, try to find somebody that has access to that. And it may not be a black woman. It may not be a black man or a, a person of color, but if you can find somebody that is willing to invest in you and to answer your questions, um, let that be your guiding star and hold on to them and find your way because you can do it. You can finish pharmacy school, even if it be a year later. Thank you, three. Thank you, three. Three friends talking. Jeez, oh man, I, I feel so honored to be that fly on the wall listening to you and the testimony of what this is. But it started with you three supporting each other, and it's become a catalyst that you now have an international publication in podcast form that's reaching you know, potential, you know, thousands, millions, even of, of people that if we can get it out there to, to let them know that it, it is possible and we can see past the evil in the world, there will always be evil in this world. It's just part of what we are and who we are and what is, you know, the bad side of being human. But what I've seen in pharmacy, and I know I'm biased, but I, I've seen it. Dr. Jerika Dodd, PharmD, so proud of her. She's gorgeous, beautiful eyes. She just posted something on LinkedIn about her eyes because she um, revealed that she ha thought she had glaucoma and, and she's overcome things. And But this woman put together a magazine called Pharmacists and she rises, raises up other women, women of color. It doesn't matter, um, white women, Mexican, Chinese, oh, it doesn't matter, just women uh, in, in pharmacy. And that magazine has been so inspiring. And then she joined the Pharmacy Podcast Network and I was tickled and excited that she was just so involved in, in audio and what she wants to do with the publication. And But that shows me that there is, there is a element of camaraderie in pharmacy that I see that's very evident. Dr. Dr. Christina Madison, um, Jessica Langley with the Pharmacy Techs, and Dr. Kimber Booth, um, and, and Monica Whitney in politics, and Dr. Monica Krishnan, and Nabila Ishmael. Dr. Ishmael works for GoodRx, and she you know, raises up other pharmacists and other women in pharmacy. And I just think that there's an interesting environment in pharmacy that we can empower each other and then turn around and, in, and infect the rest of our culture and purify the rest of our culture by our attitudes and by, you know, it's never going to be perfect, especially our retail champions, the, the pharmacists in retail that are in, in the Targets or the Walmarts or, or the CVSs, and they have to put up with the ignorance of the public and the ignorance of society and, and possibly be calling, you know, the most horrid of names, Regardless, I think there is a way, and I know there's a way because I see it and I and I'm a witness to it, that pharmacy is is taking a, a step up and and we're rising together. I can see it happening. And I've been in pharmacy now since 2004. 
And I see major differences in the in the attitudes and in picking people up. I still see negativity, but it's not as much as it used to be. Dr. Scott Kenor, the brand new CEO to um, the APHA, he came out like a, a powder keg and, and shot some of the national uh, chain pharmacies right between the eyes and the way that they were treating pharmacists and his experience with Cleveland Clinic and bringing all of that knowledge. I think there is a change happening. I know there's a change happening. Our publication and what we do and how much we're in love with pharmacists and the impact they're making on patient care. This is all going to throwing that rock in that pond and you watch the ripples and you watch the ripple, ripple, ripple and how much it's going to impact each of our communities and each of our cultures and each of our societies. And I think that pharmacists play one of the most interesting roles in literally transforming a nation, which is really why I wanted to get the three of you on is to not only tell your story, but make this the beginning of something bigger than any of us. And it is, it is bigger than any of us. I think that you three have been called um, by God, by a higher power to go further beyond than what you, the three of you ever thought you could do as spokeswomen, as these powerful, beautiful spokeswomen of not only the pharmacy profession, what pharmacists can do, but also effervescing and trickling out to other women, other girl, young girls, other men, other, other little boys who are looking up saying, well, maybe I could be, you know, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could pick myself up and do that. But I am so honored to have had the opportunity to even meet you and, and have you on the pharmacy podcast nation. want to continue to support you. And before we wrap up from today, I want to just ask each of you as a closing statement to, to reach out to our listeners and just to give them something that they can move forward with almost a, you can even give them an assignment because I think we all need to be challenged. So I'm going to start with Dr. Leah. Sure. So what three friends talk wants everyone to do is to just be open and, you know, be refreshed from the dialogue that we are able to offer. Uh, you know, we, we want to reach the communities. We want to, you know, always talk about self-care, always talk about putting yourself in a position to help others. And that always starts with self. So, you know, all we want you to do is just say, hey, these ladies are, are you know, they're, they're like our girlfriends and we can trust them. We can look to them and we feel comfortable talking to them, listening to them. And, you know, that's all we want from our listeners at this point. Dr. Courtney Jones. Absolutely. Uh, just want to piggyback off of Dr. Leah and saying that we want you all to be true to yourselves. Definitely uh, make sure that you what you're doing, you're passionate about it, um, because if not, then it, it can it can really wear away really easily. So do what you're passionate about, because you'll you'll love doing it every day. It, um, you'll you'll want to be true to yourself. And also um, be true to others. So be your best self. Um, and, and again, the way Dr. Leah said, the only way you can do that is with self-care. Um, and then you give that to others. You, you give that energy to others around you and you will definitely receive it back. So if you need to bounce that off of us, we are here for you to do that because that's what we've had to learn to do. We give, give, give so much. We also had to make sure that we were true to ourselves and what we wanted to get out of this career. And, and we're having fun with it along the way. So this really has been a transformation for us. So we're trying to uh, you know, drop those gems now for people to understand that it's okay to, to um, think outside the box and be comfortable with that. So yeah, Dr. Sylvia. Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on something earlier. We love Dr. Jerika Dodd and I actually was in the inaugural issue of her pharmacist magazine. So she's <laughs> awesome. using her platform in a mighty way. Um, I think for any other pharmacist, any other listeners to the Pharmacy Podcast Network, um, just don't forget about the curiosity that 
led you to become a pharmacist. I think that can serve you well. It served the three of us very well. We're all pharmacists in non-traditional roles. You know, Dr. Courtney is leading a huge team in managed care. Dr. Lee is a drug file pharmacist, and I have my own pharmacy consulting um, agency. So those careers came out of our curiosity and learning about different things. So um, I know there's a lot of mundaneness and monotonous work in pharmacy that is essential because we, we are on the front lines. We are giving this vaccine to people. We are vaccinating our community right now during this pandemic. But don't be afraid to, to have a little curiosity um, and discover those careers that are non-traditional because it can serve you well. You can be in those roles and they're out there for you. So my homework to you is to explore your curiosity, let our stories be an inspiration to you and give us a listen. Go to threefriendstalk.com and give us a listen or Google us as Todd said. Absolutely, threefriendstalk.com will be in the show notes. I can't wait to continue to work with you. If you're listening now and you have a story to tell, that could be a great episode for Three Friends Talk. Please reach out to these dynamic women, these dynamic women leaders in healthcare and in pharmacy. I'm so proud of the three of you. I can't wait to just retweet and re-Instagram and whatever else I can do to, to get your voice out there. But I really appreciate the three of you taking your time tonight after a long day of, of, of recording this interview. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, Todd. We, we appreciate you, Todd. Absolutely. Yes. Fruition. So thanks for having us and all that you, the work that you're doing and your clear love affair slash um, <laughs> fetish slash <laughs> stalkerization of farmers. Right. <laughs> <Your> passion. <laughs> I can't help it. Blood now. Oh, right. Thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Please share this episode. Help us get the word out about Three Friends Talk. Um, check them out. Look in the show notes. Connect with these three dynamic uh, women in pharmacy. And as always, I thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. <laughs>